Welcome to the Vintage Horror Podcast, where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me today, I have Mark. What's up? Rob. Hello there. And Maria. Hi, guys. Today, we'll be discussing Jaws from 1975, but first, we're going to crack a cold one open. Tell us what you've been up to, Mark, since uh, you want to drink some fucking water right now. I think you should tell us. (laughs) You want to talk so fucking much. (laughs) <laughs> um well let's see uh went to you know what i'll go first okay. so <laughs> <laughs> right, good good start, good start. you can go first i went to spirit halloween two days in a row uh it's the official burr months so did you buy uh, anything yeah yesterday i did what about the first day the first time mm, i don't think i did I was looking for a uh, Camp Crystal Lake sign. Last year they had one, and it says like Friday Thirteenth on it, and it pissed me off. So I said I'm not buying this. And then like this year, it's like I could just probably paint over it. I don't know why I'm being such a bitch my whole life, but why don't you just make your own? Yeah, uh, because I'm not that handy. I can make it one. Go or to- that could have been artist. What the Rob? What are you talking about? Was it gonna be that made out of like, fucking cardboard? I mean, yeah, but it'll look nice. No, go to Home Depot, so, get no. a piece of plywood, cut it up, stick them together. But I wanted to Easy, be busy. a little bit better than that. Okay, Maria, you couldn't do, you couldn't manage a bowl of fucking jello. I'm very you're crafty. Tell me shit's, Don't, yeah. I'm very crafty. You think you're crafty? You think you're I clever? Think, <laughs> I think that means she's a witch. No, yes, more like potions a bitch. and lotion. <laughs> Shut um. Besides that, uh, let's see. Since we last recorded, uh, there was a tournament I helped coach. Um, we did pretty good over there. Oh, so sorry you lost. Yeah, um, bunch. Of, well, I mean, some people did lose, but we did pretty good overall as a team. A um, couple of my guys, my white belt death squad in jujitsu, got promoted to blue belts, so Yay. they're officially fractured. Uh, so Rob's just sitting at white belt still with uh, one other guy, and <laughs> I don't plan on leaving. So uh, I'll be here a while. It's all right. I like it. White belt uh, gang. That's us. Yeah. I've been uh, <laughs> injured, so I'm not training, but I'm still teaching. And um going to the doctor Wednesday, though. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. Me and Mark have been playing a lot. Rob only a couple times because he's a little pussy bitch. Um, you know what? It's not <laughs> a bad game. Scared. It's scary. Uh, it's a very dark it's game. It's scary. So, yeah, oh, yeah, it's scary because it's dark. can't see shit. Yeah. <laughs> I run into walls all the time. Um, I don't know. It's a fun game. Uh, is it as fun as Friday the 13th? I don't think so. But it has the capabilities. We just haven't unlocked it yet i don't know how else to put it i think we i think we need to get like friends who play and then have lobbies like we used to i think that would help um or if they made it so you could just join easier like instead of this whole like code bullshit yeah i don't like that my my brothers are buying the game so all right well we'll get them in there we'll see if they actually play but um, a lot of they play a lot of dead by daylight so oh well i mean it's kind of sort of like that so um i think it's got higher replayability than dead by daylight for sure Dead by Daylight gets old quick. But um, yeah, besides that, I guess that's 
pretty much everything. I don't. I can't think of anything else. Um, Mark, now why don't you tell us what the fuck Worked. you've been up to? Yeah. So last time we recorded, I've been on call. Um, haven't done anything this week. Um, just been sitting around melting. It's Labor Day weekend. Summer's over, I guess. I don't know. I don't even really care about that bullshit. But football season starts this week, so that's got to look forward to. Uh, I got tickets to see Taylor Swift's Eras uh, Tour in the movie theater that mm. she's coming out with. You know, get to relive that. Maybe I have to go a couple times for that. Like Kyle said, Texas Chainsaw Master came out. Not really going to touch on that. He pretty much said what he said. But I haven't really done anything too much. We got uh, something coming up in a couple weeks. Can't talk about, but. By the time this comes out, we, it'll be done and over with, but. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I saw one episode I didn't even touch yet, so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, also, I've been watching The Rookie on uh, Hulu. What's that about? A uh, cop that's a rookie who's like 40 years old. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is it a comedy? I don't know. It's like got comedy elements, but it's cool. I like it. I know. I like the cop shows. That's like people getting shot by cops. Mm-hmm. We need more of that in our country. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's really it. Nothing else going on too much. What about you, Rob? I haven't had too much going on. Um, played a little bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The only thing I wanted to add to it is we kind of touched on it when Kyle and I was talking about Dead by Daylight. I feel like it's not as fun as Friday the 13th, but it definitely brings some of the positive elements from that game. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, it's more fun than Dead by Daylight because Dead by Daylight, it just gets like hyper repetitive in my opinion. Very. Like it's the same escape every time where there are at least a couple different ways you can get out in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that they did it better in Friday the 13th. For sure. Like, there was nothing better than trying to run away in that car and then Jason teleporting in front of you and smashing the car, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. And then the one person gets away on the boat. Like, or just those... me and crashing the car in the water on purpose. Yeah, uh, like... That was really good old days. <laughs> I just feel like Friday the 13th did the chaos element so much better of it, and I wish that Texas had a little bit more of that, but yeah. um, I'm still having a great time playing it, so hopefully we can get more people on board. Um, probably extremely insignificant, but, you know, I celebrated my birthday. Um Happy birthday, Yay, Rob. A couple birthday. birthdays here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun month, August. So didn't really do much. Just kind of sat around. Um, enjoyed not having to do much on my birthday. Uh, didn't get promoted at jiu-jitsu, but I got a stripe. Mm. So I'm a... I'm a three. I'm a three stripe killer now. You better watch nice. out. Three stripe white belt. You know what that means? You're still a white belt. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> It's listen. It's a it's it's a small victory, right? We take them where mm-hmm. we can get them. But other than that, really not too much. You know, we're kind of entering my favorite season. I'm liking that we've been getting cooler nights. Looking forward to the fall. Thinking about taking a trip up to Salem at some point. Uh, but you know, we'll see what that entails. Hopefully, I have a lot more cool things to talk about as uh, the fall month proceeds. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll kick it to my other birthday buddy. I'll kick it to Maria. Yay. Yes, I um, just celebrated a birthday, but I stopped counting a long time ago. So Happy birthday, know. Maria. 67 <laughs> years old. Hell yeah. Yep. Woo! Yay. Oh, bitch. Um, she just I, got her social security <laughs> check. I did. No more work for me. Officially retire. <laughs> I wish. Um, but I you can, do. You can I list this as a nonprofit like... for taxes, just so you know that. <laughs> That's fine. I sound terrible. I was. Um, 
actually last week was my birthday and I um like a few days before that got a terrible sinus infection um but I wasn't gonna let that stop me because we ended up driving from Texas to Colorado um and on my birthday we went to the great sand dunes which I didn't even know existed in Colorado there's like a 30 miles of just sand dunes which is really cool um it looks like you're on a totally different planet like it's so gorgeous with the mountains in the back and we tent camped out there for a couple of days um but we climbed I tried to climb the top of the dunes but I call bullshit they said that it was like the the height of two statue of liberties stacked up together which I'm like I don't know if I could I don't even think I could come close to climbing <laughs> that but i went like at least a little past halfway so it was well, you wouldn't even hike. know how big that is because you refuse to go to new york because you're a pussy, i don't so. know and i will never find out so that's <laughs> <laughs> just what it said but uh yeah so we stayed there a couple of days and we drove over to the rio grande national forest and stayed out like in the wild like bear country bear country um for two more nights and that was neat we ended up like hiking and fishing and just doing all kinds of woodsy stuff. It was neat. It was fun. Um, but then I got back super late and the whole time I was just kind of um, fighting, fighting the crud that I had <laughs> in my head, but I still enjoyed it. It was very nice to be out and have like clear air that you could breathe instead of like the smog in the city all the time. It's just gross. So it was nice and the views were great and I had a wonderful birthday. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Planning on hopefully it, what was one of the best parts was the weather because it's been so hot here. And then going there, it's been, it was like, I don't know, super cold in the evenings and like maybe a high of 70 something. It was really beautiful. Like, I love that weather. So I'm looking forward to hopefully it coming down here and maybe going outside doing some more activities, but we'll see. I don't know. Other than that, just boring work stuff and not much. That's all I had. Right on. That was short and sweet, and I like it. So we'll move <laughs> right into uh, this week's opening segment, which is going to be trivia. Again, run by Rob. Let's, uh, you know what, Rob? Just take it away, man. Let's see how, uh, let's see how this one fucking goes. So this time around, I thought for myself. Oh, uh, I actually tried to write out most of it myself. Um, some of it is a little uninspired, but that's because, you know, my view of horror tends to be very narrow. Uh, I've always been a creature feature fan, so you can expect to see some of that, as well as some things specifically I picked out for Mark. Why me? Because uh, <laughs> you're because you're, you're my favorite, Mark. Nobody Aww. rages. Nobody rages quite like you. <laughs> you're a professional. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna I was also inspired by Mark. I want to do this similar to how he did it. I have 20 trivia questions. I'll let you guys uh pick the number. I'm also gonna think of a number between one and fifteen. You guys will each pick a number and I'll let you know who lands closest. Hold on, he's gonna Google we're all gonna pick a number, then he's gonna Google a number on his phone and show us what he Googled. So I am gonna write down the number on this piece of paper and I'm gonna hold the piece of paper in front of the camera the whole time. No tricks. All right. So, 
The number has been written down. I will turn it around and show it to you once you guys have picked your number. So, you, Kyle. You can literally please. see it through the paper. No, you can't. <laughs> no, uh, eight. Okay. Uh, Mark? Thirteen. All right, Maria? Three. Okay, the number is seven. It's Damn. So, so Kyle goes first, and then... I think Maria should go first. She didn't go over. That doesn't does, Price is Right. R.I.P. Bob Barker just died. <laughs> well, it's I the closest, too. I don't think it's over. It's the closest number two. Don't listen to Mark. He literally doesn't know he's, anything. He's, so. yeah. he's making up his own yeah. rules when it's your fucking segment. Please, Rob, yeah, don't don't yeah. let him don't <laughs> let him hijack this. Mark Barker over here. Sure. All right. So we're gonna do uh, Kyle, and then I'm Kyle Maria me. Kyle Maria. I couldn't. I can't math. So. <laughs> All right. Excuse so me. I'm gonna pick number one. Okay, number one. Wow. All right. The movie Hellraiser. Oh, great. Was based okay. on, was yeah. based on what novella by Clive Barker? The Hellbound you did Heart. This already, you did this on your one trivia one already. I know. But I what? picked this one. No, I didn't. I did someone similar to it. I swear it. his first trivia, he did that. I don't think so. Well, I'm going to go back and listen to it. But The Hellbound Heart. <laughs> yeah, clip it. I knew the answer to that. Yeah, we've yeah, talked like about it because we talked about it like the movie. What times. are you talking about? So what should did I keep you say, track? Kyle? The Hellbound Heart. I said it like I'm, eight fucking times. I'm, I'm keeping track. So Kyle has number one. Jesus All right. Christ. All right. Let me just uh, mark that off as a red. Okay. Please stop talking to me. Uh, thank you. Okay. Um. That means Maria is next. Um. I will pick number two. Wow. How how inspiring. I like this. Which one of these films did not star Kane Hodder as Jason Voorhees? Is it A, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan? Is it part B, Part 6, Jason Lives? Is it C, Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell? Is it D, Part 7, The New Blood? A. That is incorrect. We, we, it goes <laughs> back to me now, right? Like, not Mark? No, it's Mark. <laughs> Mark? Answer is Jason Lives. That is correct. CJ Graham was... Uh, Jason and that. Yep. I told you guys I, I did I did better this time. Come on. Fucking Maria. <laughs> God damn Maria. All right, so we'll give number two to Mark. Seven, eight, nine, ten, Maria. Seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's back to me. Okay. Yeah. What number are you doing? Three. You guys are just doing this in spite of me. I love mm. it. Yeah, uh I sure am. In topical fashion. In addition to Jaws, what other Peter Benchley novel about a dangerous aquatic creature was adapted into a movie? Is it A, Piranha, B, Alligator, C, Beast, D, Crocodile? Can you repeat the answers? I stopped listening after the first one. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I don't like multiple choice questions. Uh, A, Piranha, B, Alligator, C, Beast, D crocodile. I don't know. You know what? I should have looked into his stuff stuff a little bit more, but I'm gonna guess it's piranha. That is incorrect. Okay. Did I go to Maria? Yeah. yeah. Um, Maria. Yes. That is beast. That is correct. I it is a my research. It is a giant squid <laughs> in beast. Oh, yeah. All right. Let Put me, me one. Put me down for one. I did. I have Maria down for three. So each has Yay. each have one point right now. All right. 
So I guess it goes to Mark. Number 20. Uh, 20. <laughs> okay. This 1994 horror movie about an iconic character is considered to be the most faithful adaptation of the book yet. Though Frank Darabont, who wrote the second draft, later called this film the best script I ever wrote and the worst movie I've ever seen. What is the name of this film? Um, Interview with Vampire? That is incorrect. Anybody else? So who's next? That would uh, be me next. Please, Kyle Rob, next? don't start this shit already. <laughs> Do not start this shit. <laughs> All right. So uh, you said 1994? Yep. Want me to repeat the whole question or no? Uh, yeah, yes. sure. This 1994 horror movie about an iconic character is considered to be the most faithful adaptation of the book yet. Frank Darabont, who did the second draft, later called the film the best script I ever wrote and the worst movie I've ever seen. What film is this? Iconic character. Yes. No, I heard you. Yes. I know what it is, I think. I literally have no idea. My brain's broken right now, so go ahead, Maria. Uh, I'm thinking of old school creatures, and none of those authors are that guy. So it can't be that. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. What is it? All right, so it's funny you say old school because it's about as old school as it gets. It's a it's Frankenstein with Mary, fucking Robert Mary, Nero. It's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yeah, with Robert, with Robert Nero. Well, I was Nero. thinking Fuck. of Mary Shelley, not Frank Darabont. Well, he wrote this <laughs> script That's, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, oh, okay. It, it's gotten mixed Fuck. reviews over the years. I, I literally didn't. I thought that came out later than 1994, honestly, so it did, didn't even cross my mind. Nice. That was All a good right. one. So now it would go back to me. Okay, so what are you picking? Four. That's cool. Uh, what 2011 film is a prequel to a famous 1980s remake? The Thing. There you go. Good job. This is incredible. Kyle's <laughs> Kyle's taking the lead. Well, somebody has to. Kyle's banking on the fact that I wrote all the easy questions at first in a row. No, Ooh. I just... Which I might have. <laughs> I just uh, said, fuck it. I'm just doing it in order. This way I remember what was taken because I'm not writing everything down. That's okay. Uh, all right. That means Maria's next. Um, let's do 19. 19. Actor Sam Neill portrayed this evil antagonist, the evil antagonist in the third outing of this horror franchise. What is the name of the film? Wait, what's the name? Uh, actor Sam Neill portrayed the evil antagonist in the third outing of this horror franchise. What is the name of the film? Sam Neill. <laughs> the Omen? I don't know. Well, I need the movie name. The Omen Part 3? <laughs> That's know. pretty good. <laughs> do we... So it is... It, so uh, Here's the hard part. Do I... And I need the crowdsource on this one. Do we need the, the actual full title? No. Does anybody care? She can have I, it. I don't <laughs> give a shit. That's fine. You got it. Yeah, it's the Omen 3 Final Conflict. Final Conflict. Yay. Final. I never would have guessed that. So yeah. Yeah. I'm well, glad you, know, you gave it to me. It's the end times. So I would have... never guess the Omen. So I knew it was the Omen. I just didn't remember what it was called. I knew it was Final something. I was going to say Final Judgment or something like that. Yeah. All right, uh, Mark. 13. 13. Yeah, the swift looking number 13. 
What horror film takes place in a small town in Alaska as it is besieged by vampires during its long period of winter night? 30 Days of Night. Okay. Josh Hartnett. It's a good movie. (laughs) My guy. Mark, it's all tied up. Five. All right, five. What is the title of the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street? Don't look at your poster, Mark. (laughs) I know what it is. It was a joke. It was a joke. I think. It's not, I think. Okay, Maria's turn. That would be (laughs) the Dream Master. No, no, not Dream Master. Sorry. The the fucking, no, it's not. It's the Dream Child. Sorry. That is correct. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the wrong answer. He said he said he said the movie first. I I knew it was gonna get. Uh, he stopped himself. He did not. Yeah, he, no, because I was no, so if I have head, a conti- no, so if I have it, a continuous thought, I can just ramble on. Yeah, if is you that what I'm saying. Yeah, I okay. never. I, yeah, I never gave him any indicators. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't saying. even looking at my screen when I fucking said that. I was looking at my wall. He said that was the Dream Master. Wait, no, 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 no. And then yeah, because I was I, I was going through the titles in my head. It wasn't like he was like that's the Dream Master. Wait, no, like, yeah, it, well, it now was... I know how to stall. Go ahead. <laughs> stall. I, I don't think I gave any indicator that it was. Wrong. I wasn't Not even you, looking but I'm at saying, the fucking screen. So I'm saying Kyle knew what he was doing. He's a cheater. I think Mark's just mad because I pulled ahead again and now he's nervous. that He'll never catch up ever I'm in his nervous life. About so what? Not going to catch up. All right, Maria, let's uh, see if you can tie up with Kyle right now. Let's do number. Have we done number seven? We have not. No, we did five, though. So if you want to do six, that's available. <laughs> <laughs> Who played Dracula in the first film to depict the iconic vampire in color? Ooh, um, that's a good one. Who played Dracula? You didn't say what year? No. No. 1902. <laughs> I don't even think they had TV back then. I think um, Andrew I don't Carnegie, know. maybe. Um... Lon Chaney. I don't know. That is incorrect. Mark. Christopher Lee. That is correct. Yep. Christopher Lee. Wait, what movie was that? Dracula, nineteen fifty eight Hammer Studios. Yeah, Hammer. You were born that year, so I'm surprised you didn't know. I know. It was the year (laughs) I was born. Should have known that. Let me give Mark number seven on here. So Mark and Kyle are tied up. Mark uh, is being skipped those bats to Kyle. Six. Six. What two thousand and four film pitted two Iconic horror characters against one another in a battle to the death. Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> that is incorrect. No, it's not. What is it? <gasps> Freddy vs. Jason's 2003, bro. Go You're fuck right. yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, stop talking. Next person, Maria. Can you repeat the question? No, no, no. Oh let me go. Bring it to Mark. Give it to Mark. <laughs> Come on. What two thousand? Alien versus Predator. Oh, yeah, Predator. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. That was, that was a slip on me. Yeah. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Damn, got me. Yes. <laughs> That's why I threw the 2004 in there. Yeah. Doesn't know shit. I saw Mark's face so I knew he was going to say that. So He's... fast. I had too many peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Good. So Maria is... Uh, it's tied up, right? Three, three, tied three. up here. Six, three, three, three. Yeah. Okay. This, is, this is good. I like this. This is nice. <laughs> All right. This is anyone's game right now. Sweet 16. You need 16? Sweet 16. Okay. All right. Uh, God damn it. Uh, how many Tremors films are there? <laughs> <laughs> I I, I want to say six. That is incorrect. Fuck. Goes to Kyle. 
So that was going to be my guess. Um, so I'm going to say five. That is incorrect. Maria? <laughs> okay, I guess four. I have no idea. No, it's got to be seven. That is incorrect. It is seven. Yeah. I, was gonna say I knew seven. I knew, I, knew was Jamie was in, I knew Jamie Kennedy was in five. Yeah. And I knew they made another one oh. with Jamie Kennedy, but I'm like, did they make another one after that? Yeah. Netflix made one. Yeah. Wow. So that's wow. why that's why I was like, I know he was in five, but did they make a second one? I was like, I don't remember. I I thought maybe he was in four and five. No, I knew he was in two six, of them. So I was like, I Well, mm. Mark Mark got saved on that one because nobody picked it up. So <laughs> but we're back to uh back to Kyle. Yep. Uh, eight hmm, called it. Um, what 1995 horror film follows a human alien hybrid whose sole goal is to reproduce? An alien what? An alien human hybrid alien whose human. sole goal is to reproduce. Whose sole goal is to reproduce. And what year was it? 95. 95. I literally have no idea. All right. Uh, bump it to Maria. Is it? Species. That is correct. It is species. Nice. I knew that. My brain's literally not working today. Like it's like anything that's like I'm like. Uh, I don't remember the actress's name that plays the Natasha thing, remember, Kinski or something I'm, like. That. I, I remember always seeing like the poster in the movie in the at yeah. Pathmark when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember being the, like, it's a naughty horror film. I'm not supposed to see those ones. I was hoping someone I said Alien Resurrection. Forty-five. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Maria got that, so it's gonna go to Mark. So Maria's winning right now, right? Four three yeah. three. Four yep. three three. Yeah. Pays to be old, guys. Uh, <laughs> let's do ten. Ah, sorry, Mark. Uh, this nineteen ninety seven oh. Stephen King horror film was adapted from the short story of the same name and follows a reporter as he tracks a series of mysterious murders across numerous airstrips. Is it A? It comes at night. B. The Night Flyer. C. Wings of Death. D. Night Skies. Would you believe me if I told you I never heard of any of those movies? <laughs> yes. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would absolutely believe you. I'm going to go C. That is incorrect. I think it's B. That is correct. The Night Flyer. Yeah. I have mentioned it on previous podcasts, on previous episodes when we did Stephen King, that it's one of my favorites. That's Stephen the only King one that sounded King. familiar. That's why I was like, I think that's yeah, it. That's the, yeah, it's the only one that sounded familiar. All right, so that's ten for Kyle. Kyle is uh is tied with Maria. Mark is in danger of losing the belt. All right, uh, so that's Maria's turn. Um, eighteen. Okay. Which one of the following is not a Hellraiser movie title? Is it A. Hellbound, B. Hellscape, C. Hellworld, D. Hellseeker. What about Helsinki? <laughs> uh, it's a total guess. Hell world. That is incorrect. Mark. Um. Do you so, hear it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The options are A. Hellbound. B. Hellscape. D. Hellseeker. Fuck. I was gonna get this if I get this wrong. He's got a fifty-fifty if you get it wrong. Fifty-fifty yeah, chance. Or maybe I already know it, so I don't have a 50-50. A? That is incorrect. Fuck. All right, Kyle. Is it Hellscape or Hellseeker? I assume it's Hellseeker. So that's what I'm going with, Hellseeker. Okay, it's uh, B, Hellscape. 
Wow, look at that. <laughs> Those are all Hellraiser movie titles. Nobody got it. So it goes to me now. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right, so let me eliminate that from the list of questions. Good one. They're all just corny, terrible titles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, that's why I was like, this is good. All right, go ahead, Mark. 11. Recite the nursery rhyme that children sing about Freddy Krueger. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, lock the door, right? So one, two, okay. Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, lock the door. Five, six. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it out of order. I know it. Um, I don't know what five, six is. Fuck. I don't want to say what the other part is. Better three, four, uh, so five, six, better stay awake. Seven, eight, never sleep again. No, no, that's not it. That's incorrect. That's pretty close. Mm, Kind of. Yeah. You already messed up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I so guess it I was, goes I was to bad Kyle. on that. Oh, I wasn't done yet. So okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You already got it wrong. So doesn't matter. I, I was wasn't done with my thought though. Yeah, right, we already right. got it wrong. Would you Would you like Would you like to continue to no, try to get it? No, it's okay. I would. I'd be happy to give. Yeah, it. Yeah, we, we keep going. No, I'm good. No, keep just going. Try it. Just, just keep try going, it, Kyle. No, I'm good. Let's there see what Kyle's go. got. Uh, I already gave him most of it. I believe that's one, two. Freddy's coming for you. Three, four. Better lock your door. Five, six. I think it's bring your crucifix. Seven, eight, don't stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. You're close. You're close. Okay. It's, it's not there. Maria? Um, I'm writing it down. Hold on. <laughs> okay. She's, she's copying from Google. <laughs> One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. No. Just about as close as Kyle, so I can't. I, if I'm not going to give it to Kyle, I'm not going to give it to you. Which part she mess up on? It's the five, six, and the seven, eight. There's some word differences, five, so it's five, okay. six. Grab a crucifix. Oh, seven, oh. eight. Gonna stay up late. Gonna stay up late. Yes. Oh, yeah. I can't. So I can't give it to. No, either yeah, of these guys. ours were very close. I'll it was close. It. it was very close, though. But yeah, I just figured I'd include that one in since it haunts my memories. Nine. You're testing my. Oh my God, Kyle. Nine. What is the name of the 1950s horror film in which giant irradiated ants terrorize the United States? Them. Very good. It's a great movie. So we're giving number nine to Kyle, and Kyle is clearly in the lead with five. Five, four, three. Oh, okay. Maria. Um, Let me try... Uh, 15? Does that one take it? 15 is okay, good. What 1980s horror film sees campers in upstate New York terrorized by a former employee years after a horrific prank has gone wrong? Um, There's an element that I could put in this question no. that gives it more context, but I'm afraid that it's too much information. Wait, can you repeat it? <laughs> What 1980s horror film sees campers in upstate New York terrorized by a former employee years after a horrific prank had gone wrong? Um, 
the burning is the only thing I can think of. That is correct. Oh. Isn't the burning 81? <laughs> but you're trying. But it's in the 80s. 1980s. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said 1980. That's something like, eh. I would have never said the burning. I know. That's why I had it. No, I apologize. It. I had the two other ways I had that question worded was which 1981, but I was like, I didn't want to zero. And the other one was after a horrific accident and fire. And yeah. I was like, that's going to give it Oh, away. no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry if that question Yay. was a little sketchy. It wasn't. No, no. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mark. 14. Uh, what is the name of the Japanese film that The Grudge is based on? Huh. Probably, uh, you know. Grudge? <laughs> um, no. I don't know. All right, Kyle. It's like June on oh. or June on or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. <coughs> You're close. Okay. But no. Uh, let's see if Maria gets it. It's Juan. That is correct. It's Juan. Do I give that to Kyle, though? But like, Kyle said June on, but he couldn't. I literally don't know how it's pronounced, no but I don't really care. Are, you, are, are we sure? <laughs> I don't no give a shit. <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure everybody feels like the game is fair. So um, what numbers do we have? Left. We have uh, 12, 12, right? Yeah, I'll take 12. 17. Yeah, 12. Okay. Who was the first actor to portray Leatherface in the 1974 film Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Why am I such a fucking idiot? Um, Dude, my brain's like fucking broken today. I literally was just talking about this. Fuck. I literally can't think of his name. I'm My brain's broken. Go ahead, Maria. Who played the original? Yes, he was the first act, the first actor to portray him in the 1974 film Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I just watched this movie the other day. I I can't remember the what name. Were you and Kyle watch it together? <laughs> Fucking yes. on Zoom or something. We like Facetime. That? We Facetime. <laughs> what is it, Mark? Uh, Gunnar Hansen. Yep. Correct. All right. Kyle gets the last question, which. He would win. I can with. tie it up. That no, you have five. It. I have five. You have five. She Maria, has three. Maria six. You have four. I thought Maria has. Maria has six. Five. You have four. I have oh, five. Oh wow! I do have one tiebreaker question I could use, but all right. Uh, fuck, Maria got six. <laughs> Sleeping over there. Uh, all right, Kyle. So there's only one question left. Um, no, it'd go to Maria. Is it Maria? Yeah, because I got the question oh, and yeah. it went all the way around, so it's Maria. Um, all right, so last question is number seventeen. Uh, this one is in twenty eight in the twenty eighteen film Hereditary. What is the name of the demon who plagues Annie and her family? The so wait, this goes to Maria, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then it goes okay. to you. Okay. So no matter what, Maria's winning. <laughs> <laughs> no. Payment. That is correct. Yeah, I'm finally the winner. Well, congratulations! I hope we found some of those questions entertaining, and uh, they were pretty good. Ahead. A lot better than your last outing. Trust me. Thanks. <laughs> I, was not good. Always, it was funny. It was funny. Not good though. <laughs> it was hilarious. Always improving. 
<laughs> I was beta testing my questions, all right? Literally, yeah, I was yeah, laughing, and then Maria fucking texted me how she was laughing at it, so I know it was good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes uh, another round of Rob's Trivia. Yay. All right. Well, then we're going to go right into the main event of this movie, which is Jaws 1975. It was released June 20th, 1975. It is the first movie that we're doing that is rated PG. And it has a runtime of two hours and four minutes. An estimated budget of $7 million, which it made back in its opening weekend and altogether grossed $476 million. It has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 97, even though I think it's actually 98% on the tomato meter, and uh, a 90% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And on Letterboxd, it's a 4 out of 5. Of course, it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Everyone should know all of his movies, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I didn't know he didn't do this last one that just came out. Yeah, that's why it's Ooh. been very controversial. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, he also did, obviously, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Twilight Zone, the movie, Hook, Jurassic Park. And The Lost World, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, War of the Worlds, Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, Ready Player One. You know, he's got a big catalog. Everyone thinks he's like this big shot. And, uh, you know, he's made a name for himself. But, of course, it all started here with Jaws. It just always fascinated me that probably the most prolific uh, director of our generation, of the last two generations, got his start with a horror film. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not very uncommon, though, either. Um, yeah, because it's an easy one to break into. Yeah, I just feel like people don't associate Steven Spielberg mostly with the idea of horror. Yet you have such a classic here. I just always, I always find that fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was written by Peter Benchley, who wrote the book and also the screenplay, and also uh, Carl Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Yeah. Yeah, who wrote the screenplay for Jaws 1, 2, and 3D. And he also played Meadows in this movie. Um, and he was also in Clueless as an actor, like a priest or something like that. Um, we'll move right into some characters. We have Martin Brody, played by uh, Roy Scheider, uh, Jaws hailing 2. From, hailing, from, hailing from New Jersey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good uh, state. Jaws 2. Uh, he was also in The Punisher from 2004. That's the only things that I saw that I thought were worth noting. I don't know if you guys know any other movies. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen another movie with him in it. Like, else? Yeah, I'm I going mean, through this thing again. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I've ever seen him mm -hmm. in it. I'm like, oh, that's the guy from Jaws. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this so. was like his one claim to fame. Well, this and Jaws too. Uh, we have Quint, who was uh, played by Robert Shaw, who was in From Russia with Love. And I was, I mean, he's in a lot of stuff because he's an old time actor, but he's like, that's the one thing that I saw that I was like, oh, yeah, no, I know what that is. Besides that, no idea. Yeah, Robert Shaw was one of those actors that growing up, like my dad just like knew him and could just recite off like a plethora of films that he was in. <laughs> right. Because he he was like an icon of the 50s and 60s. Mm. Yeah. 
He died shortly after this film. Yeah, very shortly after. Only like three oh. years later or something like that after it was yeah. released. Yeah, he had a lot of unfortunate issues with alcohol and other various illnesses. Um, R.I.P. to the singer Smash Mouth too. Want to put, yep. throw that yeah. in there? Guy Fieri yeah. died today. Yep, he's an all star with the angels. He's an all star with the angels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Matt Hooper, who is played by Richard Dreyfus. He was in Piranha 3D, James and the Giant Peach, Stand By Me, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was also directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only stuff I th- saw worth mentioning. I think he was in like uh, he did voices for something in like the Rudolph movie too, like one of those like Ooh. older style Rudolph movies or something like that. We have the only other character I thought. <laughs> That was worth mentioning. Um, there's not too many like main cast members, like uh, big cast mm-hmm. members in this. Uh, and that was Mayor Vaughn, uh, who was played by Murray Hamilton. He was in the Amityville mm-hmm. Horror, Jaws 2, uh, The Boston Strangler, and of course, The Farmer- Farmer's Daughter from 1962, <laughs> which apparently is a real movie. Didn't know that. I've seen that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's supposed to be a comedy. I don't know. Just some fun facts about this movie. Um, so, decades after the movie came out, uh, Lee Fierro, who played um, Mrs. Kittner, Kintner, mm-hmm. uh, she was at a restaurant and saw like uh, a sandwich called the Alex Kintner sandwich, uh, and she was like talking to the server, and she's like, "Oh, I'm actually the lady who played the mother of that child who died in Jaws," and like the owner of the restaurant was like, "Oh, like I'm going to go out there and meet them," and it was actually the kid who played. Wow, Alex, and was Aww. like, "Hey!" And they hadn't seen each other since they filmed, because um, he wild. actually owns like a restaurant bar kind of thing in Martha's Vineyard where this was filmed. Is he still own it? I believe so. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, so anybody could go there. I'm pretty sure. I don't know the name of it though. Um, but again, this was filmed in Martha's Vineyard for the most part. I think almost all of it, if not all of it. Um, another fun fact is Steven Spielberg originally did not like John Williams score for this. He actually apparently laughed at it and thought it was ridiculous and like thought that John Williams was fucking with him the first time that he showed it to him. Yeah. And then after this movie came out and it was as big as it was, he was like, actually, I think I was an idiot. And that is probably why it made more than half of the money that it made was because of the score. And it's crazy. Like you have to understand the destiny that this film brings about, right? John Williams and Steven Spielberg are married at the hip. Yeah, the greatest films that he's made echo the greatest soundtracks of film ever made with John Williams by his side. And if this doesn't get made, then Steven Spielberg, George Lucas don't grow close. John Williams doesn't get introduced as closely to George Lucas. He doesn't write Star Wars. You don't have that. Like it's crazy the spider web effect that is created by this pairing that almost didn't hit it off because Steven Spielberg thought John Williams was screwing with him. Yep. Um, allegedly during the filming of this, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss like didn't like each other. That was a big thing. Like on the set, allegedly they didn't get along at all. And it kind of helped with like on screen, like tension between them. And then I guess like way after the fact, like nowadays, Richard Dreyfuss is like, no, that's not true. But I think that was like a more recent thing where he came out and said, it's not true. Uh, but he did say they had like one big disagreement, but that was it. But apparently well, I think they- cause he kept coming to like set drunk. Who uh, Robert, uh, Shaw? Robert Shaw? Yeah, yeah he would, they would come like and be drunk, and they'd be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, well, that 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 actually brings me to a piece of information about Shaw. Like 
that whole sequence of him doing his speech, yeah, like the Indianapolis speech, his first take, he because it called for them to be drunk, he's like, oh, I could do this wasted. It'll be it'll be great. <laughs> and none of the takes were usable. They were absolutely horrendous. It was a massive waste of time in filming. And uh, he would Shaw would come back and talk to Steven Spielberg and like, apologize and say like, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, I messed up. Give me, let me do this tomorrow. One shot. And he came back and did that Indianapolis monologue in one take on the next night. And like, it was like a hundred percent, like we're done. Cut. This is it. This is the take. Also, it's not like they didn't already, you know, waste a lot of time making this movie. So, I mean, what's, you know, what's another (laughs) night? At least it was a good one. Right. Um, It like took like 160 days to finish filming. Right. With editing and everything like that. They they were under a lot of studio pressure. Yeah. uh, To get, to get things done. A long time. Because as you uh, or people may not know, like um, this was the first movie that was really largely shot on the ocean and they had mm-hmm. this robotic shark that they were using because obviously they're not using all real sharks. Like for some shots, mm-hmm. there were real sharks, but it was um, most of what you see with the shark was all robotic and they had no fucking idea what they were doing and they just winged it and that thing did not want to work ever. And um, it cost them a lot of shooting time and they were under a lot of pressure from the studio because they were hemorrhaging money. They were he- hemorrhaging time. This movie was originally supposed to be released for Christmas of 1974, and they overshot that by a lot. So it came out summer of uh, 75 because of that. Yeah. I remember watching documentaries on this, and the shark's name is Bruce. Yes. Named after after Spielberg's lawyer, which is kind of funny. Yes. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's amazing. It just goes to show you the ingenuity of Spielberg and his crew. They had to build camera rigs for this type of filming and when the shark didn't work they had to like come up with crazy or different ways to make it seem like it worked mm-hmm. so like they would rewrite entire scenes they would reframe entire structures of scenes um just they, everything if you were a movie producer watch getting notes from the sets because they would that's how it worked normally they would get like uh slack notes at the end of the day like how things were going where what the progress is you would think that you were about to lose all your money <sighs> based on the reports that were coming in and the amount of rigging and, and sidebar stuff that had to get done for this. Didn't like way, way later, someone found the shark at like a dump site. The actual one they used from the movie that I wouldn't doubt that at all. Like I know that years later, someone found it and was like, wait, I think this is the, the shark from jaws. That's crazy. Oh, I didn't see that one. I know there's that famous taxidermied shark that was found in an abandoned warehouse, <laughs> but that's about the most thing I know for being found creatures. And um, talking about like when this was released, I, this uh, actually became what's known as like the first summer blockbuster because of how well it did in the box office and how many people flocked to see it. Um, and it's just crazy to think that this is what kind of coined that whole like summer box o- or summer um, blockbuster mm. kind of like term. Yeah. And it was a horror movie. You know? Uh, yeah. Because now summer is a big time to release movies, and because everyone wants that mm-hmm. big hit for the summer, which and, I don't understand why they would want this to come out in Christmas. This seems like a summer movie to me. I thought yeah. that too, but dude, I I don't know. They release shit weird times. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought I thought the same thing when I first read that. I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But mm-hmm. did you hear about the accident on set that almost killed the sound crew? Uh, no. which one was that? So the orca going down. So they had an accident on set with the orca when they were filming some of the scenes, and right. the orca actually started full on sinking, mm-hmm. like taking on water, and they had the mm-hmm. full sound crew on there, and uh, Spielberg he 
brought up his like uh his megaphone and was like screaming like blah, blah blah like you know nearby boats to come rescue them um and john carter uh who was one of the um guys who was working on the set uh already up to his knees in water on the orca apparently screamed like f the actors save the sound department mm-hmm. <laughs> was like like holding like the cameras above their heads trying to preserve film footage um during the accident the camera got uh submerged underwater in seawater and everybody oh, thought it was yeah. ruined um however it, it apparently like there's something involving like saline solution um they were able to like use some crazy last minute stuff uh to save the film footage after it had been submerged in seawater but like that was wow. they they had a huge amount of like raw footage from the day's filming going down on that boat with the sound equipment like 10 out of 10 disaster but i could just literally yeah. I, I, I wish i could have been there to see somebody scream f the actor save the sound department mm-hmm. somebody had to do it <laughs> and that pretty much wraps up the fun facts that i have about the movie uh, but we'll move right into the movie because and after the movie we're gonna have a history in horror segment run by rob so we'll jump right in um, the movie starts with shots from underwater with the title card, and then we get the infamous building score. Uh, cut to some people sitting around a fire on the beach around dusk time. Chrissy, who's our first uh, victim, I guess you could say, uh, and some guy meet, and they decide to go skinny dipping. Chrissy jumps in way before him, and while she's waiting, she gets tugged a uh, tugged a few times like underneath the water and then she comes back up screaming being dragged around which if you think about it sharks don't move like this so it's like why was she being yanked like that um as horrific as that looks uh yeah cool effect not really uh how it real sure how how we go down i mean you you could be dragged vertically but like ragdolled like that yeah just back and forth like uh, i don't know um but she eventually tries to hold on to a buoy to no luck. And after some more screams and pleads for help, she goes under for the last time. All while the guy she was supposed to be swimming with is passed out drunk on the beach. She was at Texas Chainsaw Massacre of Texas uh, Frightmare the, when we were there, right? Uh, yes, oh. the bl- the first yeah victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, had, like, she was like in the vendor room with the people. Yeah. Or the vendor area. I, I, that's not the first convention that I think we've seen her go to. No, she's been a couple, but she's never actually like a guest there. She's always at like a vendor, like selling like Jaws something. Yeah. Cool. I can't imagine that like many people are dying to meet her. So she probably like just is like, hey, I'll get a vendor's table and just yeah. <laughs> whoever wants to meet me meets me, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we... it's always like, it doesn't even say her name. It's like first victim in Jaws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, newly hired Amity Island Police Chief Martin Brody wakes up in the morning and gets a call about a missing girl. Um, her remains uh, are found washed up on shore and tiny little crabs are crawling all around the remains. Uh, Brody writes up the death certificate and when the medical examiner calls it in, um, he types in shark attack as the cause of death. Martin Brody heads to the local general store to buy some paint and other supplies to start making some signs. Um, But when he walks out of the store, one of his deputies tells him that the Boy Scouts are out in the water doing their mile swim or something along those lines. Um, So then he switches place with the deputy, takes the vehicle, and they head out towards the shore as the mayor learns about the shark attacks from that deputy. Yeah. And you get to kind of know the community through this shot. Um, 
you get to kind of learn what it's about through subtle inferences and stuff like that. You know, it's a seaside community. You can clearly see that it's it's a it's a strong summertime and that it's very festive. Yes. So you know you're 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 at the height of summer season. And they're coming up on the Fourth of July celebration. Oh yeah, because you mm-hmm. see the banner right in the background. Uh, the mayor pulls up to the ferry where Chief Brody is and warns him that he could be making the wrong and rash choice to shut down the beaches Fourth of July weekend. Emily Island, like Rob said, is a summer town, and yelling shark can cause some major panic. Yeah, and I think I'll go into it more um, later. But uh, most of us grew up. Uh, a couple of us on the podcast here grew up in a summer town, um, a summer town very much like Amity. Um, and when you grow up and it's like, I feel like if you don't grow up near there, you can kind of be like, you know, look at this mayor and be like, why is he doing what he's doing? But, you know, if you understand like where that mayor's point of view is coming from and just how much tourism is the lifeblood of those small towns and like how, how dangerous it is to cause a panic and drive them away. Um, it's a setting and if that is very familiar, at least to me and Kyle, and I know Mark as well. Yeah. I mean, people were very nervous during COVID because of all these short towns when nobody was going out anywhere mm-hmm. that like they weren't going to survive and shit was about to hit the fan, especially for like the businesses, not just the town itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this you is could, like the same kind of thing. It's, it's to give anybody who's listening kind of a, a, a concept of how bad it could be. Um, one month's loss of income in the summer could, could put a 20 year business out. Yeah. That's how it's insane crazy. that income is needed for those three months. It's insane how much they live. Most businesses in in, in these in these small communities, uh, they're in the negative all year, except for mm. those three months, and they make enough profit in those three months to just go negative for the remainder of the year and employ people and keep food on the table. Yeah. A boy named Alex is on the crowded beach and asks his mother for ten more minutes in the water. He grabs his y- little yellow inflatable raft and heads out to towards the water where a bunch of other people are. Brody watches from the beach getting a little scared, thinking he sees a shark. But it's just some dude swimming, some old-ass motherfucker, uh, and then gets spooked when a girl starts yelling, but she's just being picked up by her boyfriend. Uh, we get some underwater shots of something moving through the water and then the building ominous music again as something approaches the kid on the raft and then pulls him under. Good, uh, blood gushes up, turning the water red. Yeah, you can kind of see the fins when it does the barrel roll and grabs the kid in the water just for mm-hmm. a brief moment. Um, really, it actually is really. It's a really gruesome child death on on screen. Mm-hmm. And can you believe that this movie's only PG? <laughs> I I was watching that uh, several times, and I almost was like, "How how this get by? <laughs> this is wild." Yeah. Um. Everyone exits the water besides you know Alex and his raft. Uh. Which well, the raft makes it out of the water. Well, oh I'm saying God. like everyone <laughs> runs out, and then the mother's like Alex, Alex, like looking for him. So like everyone else yeah. got out of the water except for him. Um, his raft washes up on shore, torn and deflated. Yeah, which is a great way of of letting your imagination do the work for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a media storm as the mayor holds a town hall. The townspeople ask the tough question, like, are they going to close the beach? And finally, Chief Brody says that like, yes, they're going to close it. Um, but they're also bringing in experts, like to help the figure out what's going on, how they can deal with it, but the townsfolk ain't really having it. Nope, they're about to get a shark lynch mob. Yeah. That's, what the, that's the goal. So the mayor says, you know, to try to save face, they're closing the beaches, but only for 24 hours, mm-hmm. to which Brody is really not happy about. And then Nails begin to scratch a chalkboard, grabbing everyone's attention, and then 
we see that it's Quint, a seasoned like local fisherman, shark hunter kind of guy, uh, says that he'll find the shark for three thousand because uh, that's what they're offering for somebody to get the no, shark. He says ten thousand. Uh, no, he, you yeah, know, he says, he, he says three thousand to find the shark. Find it ten. And oh, then, never mind. I'm like, wait, what? Yes. And then because he values his life more than that, but he'll kill mm-hmm. it for ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could be cheap and all be on welfare because. Uh, like Rob was saying, most of these communities count on this income. So he says they can all be on wel- mm-hmm. welfare for the winter if they want. If nobody, you know, is coming to the town because there's a shark attacking everyone, or they could just mm-hmm. pay the ten thousand dollars and get it over with. Exactly. Yeah, in the books, it goes more into how desperate the town is, but um, as well as some, the fact that there's some mafia connections and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but definitively, the, the town knows like he. Quint knows that he's kind of got the town by the balls on this one. Like there's right. nothing they're, they're going to pay him whatever he asks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the police department posts signs closing the beach and then chief Brody's son, Michael is in a boat tied to a dock and Brody's kind of yelling at him to get out of the water uh, or to get out of the boat that's in the water. And his wife kind of protests until she sees a picture in a book of a shark biting a hole in the side of a boat. And she's like, yeah, Michael, listen to your father, get the fuck out of the boat. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of local fishermen are out after dark. I, I don't know if they're trying to catch the shark or what the fuck they're doing. They're trying to waste some meat, bro. Yeah. <laughs> from like Hot the duck. Um, but they almost are. They, they like get. The, I don't know. They I don't know if it's the shark that they get, but like they caught something. And yeah, they, they caught a tiger shark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. These ones on the dock. I don't know if it's the shark, you know, like something they catch oh. or they're catching something, but then um I assumed it was oh, the yes. shark. Oh yeah, it was the shark, yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. Well, they almost got the death penalty because like the fucking <laughs> the shark breaks the dock and the one falls in, but then he's able to swim back um and get helped up onto what's left of the dock. Dude, I love how his buddy's telling him like, "Don't look behind you, man. Just keep on swimming." <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best idea. You are in trouble. Oceanographer Matt Hooper shows up to town and asks to see the remains of the first victim as a bunch of like fishermen are starting to take off in small overloaded boats to try to catch the shark. Um, they're going after, you know, the bounty for the shark. Uh, Hooper determines it was a shark that killed a girl. It wasn't a boating accident, which the mayor kind of forced the uh, coroner, local coroner, to change his mind and say that's what it was that killed uh, Chrissy, the first victim. Yeah, and it's interesting here that Hooper's character is talking about things. Um, he's, you know, he's dropping a bunch of scientific lingo, like trying to just, you know, he's going through his head what it could be. Some of the things he mentions are like mako sharks, blue sharks, like sharks that are native to our waters that do come in on the East Coast. Yeah. But he's right away, he's like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And he does a great job of, of like a dude who's like trying to avoid coming to the actual conclusion of what it is. But realizing mm-hmm. like there's no way of escaping this. This is this is bad. This is a big, 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 big shark. Yeah, and even says like, "Did you guys alert the Coast Guard?" And Brody like looks at the was the mayor in there with him. Who was in there with him? The, the coroner. And he's like the coroner. He's like, yeah, the nope. Nobody told anybody. Yeah, he he very much cannot. It's it's someone who knows everything to do by the book and understands the gravity of the situation, befuddled by small town buffoonery. Yeah. That's what it is. He just completely is like, you guys are way out of your depth and I have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, he knows mm-hmm. that he, his balls are tied because of the bureaucrats. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Star Wars all over again, you know. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I right? <laughs> all roads uh, lead back. Dang yep. the Senate. 
Uh, some of the fishermen get back with a dead shark, and Chief Brody and the other townspeople seem very excited for it to all be over. Um, Hooper starts like examining the strung up shark though, and then tells them like it's a tiger shark and it's probably not the one that they were looking for, but he kind of wants to be sure by cutting open the shark. But the mayor's like, listen, dude, we're not cutting open this shark and having a little boy fall out. Like that's not fucking happening. Totally reasonable though. Totally Mm -hmm. reasonable. Reasonable. But the mayor also meant we're not doing it at all. We caught the Mm -hmm. shark. Wink. Let's get back to business. Yeah. Um, and as this is all happening, Mrs. Kintner, uh, she comes to the dock in funeral garb <laughs> and slaps Chief Brody, blaming him for not closing the beaches after okay. already knowing that like shark there was a shark out there killing people. Yeah, I yeah, think that's, I, I don't know. She should have slapped the mayor. That, that's that scene always pisses me off. One hundred percent. But I think he has the authority to actually close the stuff because it's like well, the police. Well, if you department. remember in the beginning, they said to him like. The mayors, they were like, I guess the lawyer, and he said, "Oh, did you fill out any paperwork for any of this? You just can't close our beach." And so, so they were trying to jam him up, but like, yeah. in the, I think in the so in the book, the slap doesn't happen. It's more of just a verbal altercation, the kiss. Oh, and it's and it's 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 a lot more of like they are trying to deflect the blame to Brody. Yeah, yeah. he's they, the scapegoat. Yeah, the whole situation. we don't really see that too much. Right, she just walks up and slaps him. Right, yeah. and that and, yeah. and the thing is that slap took like twelve takes. <laughs> and he ate, he ate that like 12 times before they were like Good, we got it but also like he's the authority you know like so if anybody has the authority to stop people from going into the water and being on the beach it's him i don't know yeah. i think it's life where the mayor honestly. can say don't do it but like if you don't have the police to enforce that you know i think that's part of it too what about the lifeguards they don't they can't tell you to you know what also i noticed in this movie a lot what everyone at the beach like the only person that has a fucking beach chair is brody Everyone else got fucking towels. I'm like, did no one can afford a beach chair? Dude, not back then. Expensive. Like, I don't know if they wanted to do that for like props or anything. They didn't want to buy fucking chairs, but I'm like, literally, (laughs) no one has a beach a beach chair. I feel like beach. Then I was thinking at one point, I'm like, wait, are they not invented yet? And then when I saw him on one, I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck? These are things I'm I'm thinking about. So at home, Chief Brody's son copies him as he puts his head in his hands at the dinner table. And then when Brody notices, he makes a snarling face at his son. And his son copies, looking like one of those fucking cat people from Sleepwalkers. If anybody knows what the fuck <laughs> I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And like he's got like the missing teeth, and that does not help anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ugly ass kid. Um, <laughs> a knock comes at the door, and it's Hopper. Hooper, sorry. Hopper, when we watch Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, it's Hooper who uh, brings some wine. He sits down and starts eating someone else's like uneaten dinner. Oh, <laughs> like, Anybody going to eat this? And like, uh, uh, Mrs. I, Brody was like, uh, no. <laughs> well, and it's weird too because like he breaks, he breaks out the bottle of wine. He's like, and he's obviously like, you're supposed to get that feel of like city slicker versus like small town guy. He's like, yeah, let the wine breathe. And he just dumps the whole thing in a beer glass. <laughs> yeah. But it's very interesting. I'm going to bring up some of the differences as we go along, but um, has anybody read the book? No. no. Okay, so I read the book a long time ago. Um, there's an... Ellen Brody and Hooper have an affair in the book. Oh, scandalous. Okay. There's like a whole, like, like her marriage with Chief Brody, like she's actually from New York, Chief Brody's an Amity native, their marriage is on the rocks, and then Hooper comes in with his swagger and everything, and they start a whole, like, affair and it's oh. there's like there's like a whole there are so many subplots. The movie is actually one of the rare examples, in my opinion, where the movie is actually much better than the book. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, they streamline the, it more too. Like yes, the book has so many subplots and extra things and some questionable stuff that hasn't aged well. Where the film has remained pretty timeless. Um, mm-hmm. It's just interesting. No, I, that's the beach chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's definitely that's definitely like we don't, the production crew doesn't want to put the beach chairs away at the end of the day. That's one hundred percent what that is. No. But yeah, I just thought I had to mention that because it's they they kind of like could have alluded to that here, like him being flirty, but it just comes across as he's just trying to be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know so much if it was like city slicker compared to country folk with the wine thing. I think like Brody was he also just, just like, out. yeah, I don't, I needed to drink, bro. Like, yeah. just give me that. <laughs> like, just I because he doesn't even because like a wine glass, he just pours it in the fucking like. Last, <laughs> yes, Glass. and yeah. it's it's he's supposed to be in the film version, uh, a, a New York transplant, yeah, who has moved mm-hmm. to a small town for a quiet life, right? And now he's got a giant shark eating people, and he's just like, I, I like Midnight Mass. Hmm, interesting. Midnight never Mass. finished it. Yeah. Well, the huh? the cop in it, like that's never finished it. They mm-hmm. talked about it right in the beginning when they show him, like never he's the outsider. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wasn't wrong. Technically, I never finished it because I never started. Oh well, yeah, there you go. Um, so he says that uh, Hooper says that he's going to tell everyone tomorrow that it's not the shark that they that killed the people, and you know they crack open the bottle, they start drinking, and Brody decides that you know what, fuck it, we're going to cut that shark open right now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, they go to the shark, cut it open, and find no children, just some fish, tin can, license plate. Uh, Hooper says that they still have the problem of having to find the shark that, you know, is still out there. So uh, they go out on a boat because, you know, sharks are night feeders. It is night. Uh, They pull up to an abandoned boat and Hooper hops into the water to go check it out. Uh, He finds a large shark tooth and then the dead body of like the boat's attendant that floats out from a hole, scaring him, causing him to drop like this tooth and maybe his flashlight or some shit like that. In the morning, they try to convince the mayor that a great white shark has staked claim to Amity Island as territory, and it's going to keep killing people as long as there is food, which means people in the water. Um, but the mayor isn't like uh, he's not taking any of that. Like he's not considering any of that uh, as long as they don't have any proof. Uh, he also seems more concerned about the vandalism to their billboards rather than the lives of the people visiting and living on the island, uh, kind of blowing off Brody and Hooper, telling that they can do whatever they want to like keep the people safe, but the beaches will remain open. Mm-hmm. Then we see patrons sitting on the beach, scared to go into the water as boats patrol. Uh, the mayor kind of convinces a couple of people to go in, and then many, many people start following them afterwards. Uh, Michael, Brody's son, tries to go into the water with a boat, with his buddies, but Brody asks him to go into the pond, which I think is more like an inlet kind of thing. Yeah, they use the word pond here. Um, like a cove. It's more of a creek. You know, a creek. You know, it's a, it's a back. It's an inland waterway that's that's kind of small, connected to the ocean. Yeah, I, y'all like you know, know. I'm not familiar with water bodies. Well, there's like water. a there's a jetty right there. You know, so like I figured it was more like a like a canal or like a an inlet kind of thing. Yeah, I, I I just think that that's the the word they decided to go with. Yeah, a um, pond. Like a pond definition is a small body of still water formed naturally by hollowing out our banking, so that's not accurate. I would definitely say it's more of a bay. Yeah. Definitely more of a bay. It, cr- it could be a creek, which is more of a... I wouldn't say it's a creek, it's more of a runoff of a river. I'm going with a bay. Yeah. Uh, 
and then reluctantly, like his son Michael agrees that all right, I'll we'll go over there. And the kid, they say it's for like the old ladies over there because it's it's calmer <laughs> water. Like over there. <laughs> yeah, you fucking would, you old bitch. <laughs> Which, like today, it, it actually reminds me. Um, in Manasquan, New Jersey, if you go to the beach and you follow the inlet in a little bit, there's like that dog beach slash like <laughs> Stillwater Beach. Yes. Yeah backed up which is just like that like it's calmer waters yes uh they think they spot a shark so the lifeguard starts to uh, blow a whistle using bullhorns to call everyone out of the water <laughs> like as soon as they start blowing the whistles brody's like stop don't use the whistle don't do that like, like please don't cause a panic <laughs> yeah um but then turns out the fin is just a couple of kids playing a prank a girl by the jetty kind of thing sees a shark entering the quote-unquote pond as they say, um, and would work great. Great, that's a great effect too. The shark moving through the water—it actually looks really good. Yeah, and uh, that's where you know Brody just told his son Michael and his friends to go. So everyone starts racing over to warn them. We see a man in a little rowboat who rolls rows over to the boys to warn them. But then uh, the shark comes from behind, knocking over the rowboat and the little boat with the boys in it. Uh, all of them falling into the water, and then the rowboat man gets pulled under the water, and we watch his severed leg sink to the bottom of the water. Again, don't know how this is PG, but... And honestly, that's probably one of my favorite effects of the movie. Um, when you see the shark with its jaws open, like, going side, because that's how that's how great whites tend to attack their prey, if they're coming from a side attack like that. They'll turn their body up sideways, and go it that way. So like seeing the shark's face just under the surface of the water and then the shark disappears and he disappears. That's a great shot. Probably one of my favorites in the movie. Mm -hmm. Michael frozen in shock. He just watches as all this is happening. And then we see him being pulled from the water by his father. He's brought to the hospital where he's diagnosed with just mild shock and is going to be kept overnight to be, to be watched. Brody confronts the mayor in the hospital and forces him to sign a voucher to hire a contractor so that they can hire Quint for the $10,000 to hunt the shark for them. Chief Brody goes straight to Quint, and then they start prepping their uh, for their hunt. It takes a little bit of convincing, but they uh, Quint eventually agrees to let Hooper join in on the, the like little hunt with them uh, and even makes fun of him as he starts to have like his shark cage loaded onto the boat. And then off they go, driving off into the deeper waters. Brody chums the water as they drift and then accidentally undoes a knot holding the oxygen tanks that uh, Hooper had put on the boat and the shark cage as well. Hooper yelling about how they could blow up if they get knocked over, so be careful with them. And Quint just uh, saying that, you know, next time, if you want to know which line to pull, you can just ask me because he's, you know, he's the seasoned guy. Fair question. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, you say question. No, saying it's a, no, saying uh, it's a fair. It's 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 a fair statement, and, and uh, like it would be yeah. a fair question to ask. Like you know, hey, uh, I've never been on a boat in my life. Like, please tell me what to do. Yeah. And then sometime later, Brody practices his knots, and Quint slowly straps himself into his chair and anchors his fishing rod. Then something catches, and Quint slowly starts to reel and pull with the assistance of Brody and Hooper. Um, but then they come up with nothing. Brody is getting sick of chumming the water um, as they're going. But as he does, he's talking shit under his breath and then looks back when he hears something. And we see old Brucey boy coming up out of the water behind him, uh, which is the first reveal, uh, clear reveal of the shark, which, you know, it's one of those scenes that's fucking iconic. 
Um, yeah. He slowly backs his way into the cabin where he delivers one of the most iconic and also one of the most misquoted lines in cinematic history of you're going to need a bigger boat, which he also improvised too. apparently was not in the script. Ooh. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's it's one of those lines that just we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone says. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quint goes out and orders Hooper to cut the engine, and they watch the shark come up along the backside of the boat. Is that the bow, the stern? What is it? I don't The buoy. Um, the backside of the boat. <laughs> uh, the booty. Hooper, Hooper estimating <laughs> it's a 20-footer, and Quint says 25. Schmeckles. Uh, they break into action, Quint getting his harpoon gun ready as Mrs. Brody starts to radio to the boat. And Quint says, like, oh, yeah, you, you know, they're just fishing. They haven't seen Couple anything scrapers. yet. <laughs> He's like, all right, over and out. Ending the uh, radio transmission. And Hooper wants to get shots of the shark, like a camera, uh, with a camera, and uses Brody and some barrels for reference. But Brody's kind of like, I ain't fucking going over there, bro. That shit's <laughs> scary. Uh, Quint yells for Hooper to tie the barrel to the rope that's connected to the harpoon gun. Um, it gets off just in time for Quint to hit the shark, tagging him with a barrel. They follow the barrel until it disappears under the water. And Brody thinks that they should radio for a bigger boat or go back. But then Quint's like, uh, we'll just wait till we like, we already tagged it. We'll wait here until we see the barrel surface again. Yeah. Quint wants his payday. Yeah. He, he doesn't want anybody to right. that cut. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's a pride thing for him, too. He wants to prove that he's mm-hmm. the best around and this is going to be his, like, Moby Dick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, it, interesting that you mentioned that. Did you read it? Did you know how he was supposed to be introduced? Who? Quint? Quint? Yeah. No. So the original scene was supposed to be uh, Quint, a uh, movie theater watching uh, Moby Dick with Gregory Peck in it. And it was going to have Quint in the background talking garbage on like how bad the special effects are, blah, 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 blah. And people like leaving. And then Quint would be the only one left in the theater watching like Moby Dick as he was approached and like, hey, we need you to help us with this. And the, only, the only reason that wasn't included is that Gregory Peck hated his performance so much in Moby Dick because Moby Dick, it wasn't a good movie um, that he refused to let them use the rights to it because he didn't want it on screen ever again. So oh. it's interesting you mentioned those parallels because it was supposed to be very obvious from the beginning that right. he, he's on a Moby Dick arc. And mm-hmm. did you know that the guy who was originally supposed to direct this movie, um, when he had a meeting with the higher-ups, he said something about, like, instead of saying shark, he used whale. And they said to him, we're not making a Moby Dick movie. And if you don't know the difference between a shark and a whale, we don't want you directing this. <laughs> so that's another funny thing. Um, that's funny. That is yeah. Funny. At night in the cabin, Quint and Hooper start to share their like stories of their scars, and they kind of bond while having a few drinks. And then Quint delivers um, what Rob already talked about, that uh, iconic monologue about surviving the attack on the USS Indianapolis and the sharks, and you know how he came face-to-face with them and still survived. Uh, they all start to sing together, and then the shark comes back, though, <laughs> ramming into the boat, disabling the power to- on the boat. Uh, and then Quint goes out and tries to shoot it with his rifle a couple times, but misses. In the morning, while fixing the engine, the barrel surfaces again. They grab the line to the barrel, and while reeling it in, the Stark surfaces again, uh, breaking the line to the barrel. Brody goes to radio the Coast Guard, but Quint, in his stubbornness and in his ego, destroys the radio so he can catch this without any of the Coast Guard's help, so he doesn't have to share the money. 
and you know, so this is his Captain Ahab moment where he's fucking mentally breaking, um, mm-hmm. going into psychosis. <laughs> uh, they hook up another barrel, shoot that one into the shark. Uh, and then after Brody pops off a few shots from his revolver, he hits the shark once and then they hook a second barrel to the shark. Um, and the barrels, uh, eventually resurface. They hook the lines from the barrels to the boat. And they start trying to literally pull it back to shore with them, like using the mm-hmm. boat's engine. Uh, but the cleats that are holding it in are starting to come loose. And uh, Bruce is trying to eat the ropes to break free. So Quint tries to shoot it, I think, with a tranquilizer, right? Is that what he hit it with? Because it looked like it's on something with poison or something. I'm assuming that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It looked oh, like wait. a dart. No, it was yeah. a, it was a um it was a spear anchor. It was attached. It was one of the spears that was attached to the barrel. That's why when he pulled back, the other barrel went flying. He didn't realize that it was. Oh. It was he didn't realize it was still attached to a barrel. Gotcha. So he fired it thinking he can get a kill shot off, and then <laughs> that's why that barrel came flying through the boat and smacked Brody. Okay. In the head. Gotcha. 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 Um, they attempt to undo the lines by hand, but they're pulled too tight, and eventually the cleats do break free from the boat, and the shark, you know now has three barrels attached to it. Uh, it's kind of free again, but not free from the boat. Cause right. So it's still attached to the boat or is it not? No, it's, yeah. but it's, but the barrels are keeping it from submerging. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, so Quint, Quint starts saying, he's like, there's no way with three barrels, this thing is going to dive. It's going right. to, mm-hmm. it's going to stay here now. Yeah. And so it's going to chase them kind of yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. Cause then that's definitely what a shark's going to do. Yeah, so then Quint uh, says, like, it can't stay underwater with the three barrels. He starts heading towards uh, the land. Oh, no, the boat. The, 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 he says it can't sur- or it can't go under the water, but then when it's heading towards the boat, it does go under the water with three barrels. And then it resurfaces. Um, all while Brody's trying to use, like, a pump, because now the boat's taken on water. Right. So he's trying to pump it out as so they don't sink. Uh, then Quint's like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna drive back towards land because this motherfucker's gonna follow us anyway." Uh, and he, his idea is, if he brings it in the shallow waters, like they can try to drown it because the barrels are keeping it like so high up, it can't go deep. Um, mm-hmm. And then to stay ahead of the shark, um, keep the boat ahead. He kind of puts the engine at it the like peak of its capabilities and he kind of overdoes it blowing out the motor completely leaving them kind of in the middle of the water lands in the foreground or the uh, background like you can see it but they're nowhere close to it Um, and they slowly start sinking as the boat starts taking on water quint hands the two men life jackets (laughs) because he's like fuck it and then (laughs) after some silence he asks what hooper um is able to do with the tools that he brought on to uh, the boat, and he says that he can pump uh, Strick 9, right? Strick 9, that's what it was, Mm -hmm. into the shark uh, by hitting it inside the mouth, because it won't get through the skin, but if he shoots it in the mouth, or stabs it in the mouth, he can uh, puncture it from there. Risky, Um, risky. Yeah, but he Mm -hmm. just has to get into the cage first. So they prep the needles and the cage. Uh, Hooper suits up, climbs in, they lower him into the water, and he watches as the shark passes him, and he starts readying the needle to get the shark, but it sneaks up from behind him, hitting the cage, causing Hooper to drop the needle to the ground below, outside of the cage, and then the shark rams the cage over and over, breaking it, and when it breaks open, Hooper dives to the seafloor to kind of hide behind some coral or something like that, because he's a little bitch boy. 
I will uh, say that the the approach of the shark silently, like the sound design here, was really really well done. Yeah, because like that's his domain, that's the shark's domain, mm -hmm. and they're apex predators for a reason. Like you're not going to hear or feel them sneaking up on you. Mm -hmm. The mast to the ship gives out uh, from the shark pulling on the cage that's connected to a line that's connected to the mast. And then the shark swims off. Uh, and so the guy's still on the boat, Quint and Brody, they put the reel on another hook somewhere. And then they start reeling the cage back into the surface. But then they see that it's broken and empty. The shark surfaces again, tries to hop into the boat on the back, breaking like the back of the boat and kind of weighing it down. Uh, causing it to start to capsize a little bit. Brody and Quint try to hold on as they try to stop themselves from sliding down the tipping boat towards the shark. But then one of the air canisters falls on the Quint's hand, forcing him to let go as he screams in pain and he starts to slide. Brody tries to catch his hand, but Quint slips free because, of course, they're all wet. <laughs> Can't hold anything when you're wet and slides towards the shark. Quint tries to use his legs to push away from the flail, uh, tries to push away, yeah, from the flailing shark until he can't anymore and the shark eventually catches him, ripping at him, pulling him into the ocean with him. As the boat starts to sink more, Brody is caught inside and the shark rams its way through a wall towards him uh, but he fends off the shark hitting it with the air canister and throwing it into the shark's mouth, causing the shark to kind of back away. He climbs to the top of the sinking boat and then up into the crow's nest, rifle in tow. He stabs at the shark with a harpoon gun, again, causing the shark to retreat. It's just an over and over, like, the shark just isn't giving up. Um, when the shark yeah. starts to come towards him again, he fires, uh, he starts to fire uh, at the shark with the rifle, and on the sixth shot, uh, he says, smile, you son of a bitch. Hits the canister, causing it to combust in the shark's mouth, killing the shark in an eruption of blood. Shark chunks. It's good. Oh, yeah. It's good. Hooper, it's not the best shark kill in the Jaws series, but it's one of them. Uh, <laughs> Hooper surfaces, uh, swims over to Brody. They both have a laugh in relief, and then Hooper asks about Quint, and Brody's just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And then they grab a couple barrels and start swimming back to land as they reach the shore, and the credits start to roll as we see them swimming up to the beach. And that's Jaws. I like, I like this ending better. So do you want to? The ending in the book is absolutely terrible. Do you want to start filling us in on some of that? And um... so, all I can say is that in terms of the book, um, Steven Spielberg was pretty much quoted in saying that um, when he read the book, because the book actually was still in work as the film went into work. Really? It wasn't fully like it was through public. It had just been finished and published as it was being discussed. And it was like, right away, it was like, okay, we're going to do this. So much so that the film, I know that Steven Spielberg and a bunch of others pu purchased like tons of copies and then sent them out to reviewers hmm. to like drum up support. So they yeah, were- I think, I think the book came out in, in like so, sometime in 1974 and then they started filming May 2nd, 1974. Yeah, it was, they was were like- like, oh. like that quick. Yeah, the publishing, it's kind of like his book was going through like the editing circles and then it made its way into like producer's hands and like, Ooh, this is going to come out. This is going to be good. We're going to make a movie out of this. Um, mm -hmm. But Steven Spielberg right away said, uh, I believe the quote was, um, none of the characters are likable so much so that I wanted the shark to win. 
Yeah, I I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So so he had to radically alter their characters. The ending of the book actually has Hooper dying in the cage. Aww. He's eaten the cage right away. He breaks the cage open. Aww. The shark just noms him, and that's it. Uh, that's crazy. Quint actually kills the shark. Huh. He harpoons it to death, right? <laughs> but then, as the dead shark is sinking, the rope snags around his leg and drags him to the bottom of the ocean and kills him. Oh, come on. <laughs> so that's how Quint goes out, and then uh, Brody's alone in the water. Mm. And has to paddle back alone. So, like, definitely not, like, the charming ending that you get uh, <laughs> for the bloodbath, but, like, I don't know. I like the way Quint goes out much better. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's being chomped on and he's grabbing the machete and still stabbing that shark all the way yeah. through. Um, I like I like a lot of the changes that were made. There's a whole mafia subplot in which like the mayor owes the mob money and the mob controls the businesses and the mob's kind of like you're not doing this. You're there's no way that you're going to be uh, shutting down this town. We need to make money on our take. Like there, there's just so many subplots that just don't work. Um, so I think that Steven Spielberg made a lot of great choices in terms of uh, his switches. But those are some of the major key differences. Um, the other ones are all, like I said, they're kind of minor. Um, some of the deaths, there's actually a lot more deaths in the book. And there are some chapters from the perspective of the shark. <laughs> like, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but like from that perspective, he tries to write it as like mindless to kind of show like mm. how it's not thinking, it's just hungry and eating. Right. Oh, but, then, oh. but then there are some chapters where the shark is like figuring out puzzles. It's like thinking its way through a strategic attacks of the boat. And I'm like, well, what is it? Is it a dumb eating machine or is it a strategic killer? Like which? Yeah. So the book received a ton of criticism. Um, mm. It's actually got mixed reviews to this day. Um, I know a lot of people will take issue with some of the language that's used. I mean, it's, up to you whether you wish to take issue with it uh there's some comparatives you know uh that one of the characters says that if we don't stay open for the summer we're going to become harlem by the sea mm-hmm. and oh, wow. you know some allu- <laughs> yeah some illusions that we don't want certain people in our town certain elements like Con- mm-hmm. there's a mention of coney island i think at that time coney island had been really on the downturn um had become an, an, an area that had not been well received economically I think um, Harlem was too, so makes sense. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. So some of that stuff just didn't age. Um, but regardless, I think there's not much to be said in terms of those changes that hasn't aged well uh, film-wise. Um, but I'm going to stop on that one. I don't know. Do you want to do a film review or do you want to talk a little we, bit about the background? We do the review. Okay. All right, Mark, um, then uh, tell us what you want to – tell us what you think about it. It's a movie. It's wet. Uh, no, obviously, like – I'll, I'll say this here. I like this movie. It's classic. Um, I feel like every time I watch this, it feels less and less horror to me. You know, it feels more thriller-esque. You know, when you say horror, I'm not... Maybe when you're younger, when this the time frame it came out, that makes sense. But I don't necessarily consider this a horror movie. It's more of a thriller to me. Which... I think they do a good job with less of less is more, you know. I couldn't imagine them showing the shark for 40 minutes on screen because it would look terrible. And mm-hmm. I think they did I think they did a really good job with the the less is more and revealing it at the end. Um it does take a little bit of time to get through the movie, you know, so there is some downtime where you're like, eh, you know, whatever. But for the most part, it 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 
it is what it is. It's a it's a creature feature shark movie. You know, it's it doesn't do anything else different. You know, it's not trying to be something else. What it's not. I kind of my one big critique of this though always is the last ten minutes is basically he goes into the um the cage. Quint dies. They blow up the shark. Movie over. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the I don't know. I feel like they could have dra- dragged that out a little bit better, or d- did something better with that. But I give us a three point five for me. I I do have the jaws like poster tattooed on my thigh. Like so, I I, I do enjoy watching this. Every time it's on, I'll I'll watch it. But I don't really have like a favorite kill. I guess because you don't really see anything other than Quint. Like you see the blood pop up in the water and stuff like that. So I, I uh, don't really have a favorite kill or the least favorite kill, I should say. Obviously, I know, like we talk about this being PG, PG. So they definitely couldn't show that little kid getting like swallowed whole, you know, like mm-hmm. being possible. So, yeah, I think ev- most people have seen this. You know, it's not like, oh, I can recommend this. If you haven't, watch it, you know, but 3.5. Kyle? Um, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Now, this movie is very nostalgic for me. I'm sure a lot of people saw it growing up. I used to watch this like almost every uh, weekend that I would, day uh, oh. when I was younger. I would go to my cousin's house and we they didn't have like a uh, cable. They had like basic cable. So like from a satellite dish. So they had like the first like 10 channels and like this was always <laughs> on. So like uh, we would watch it like almost every weekend I was there, honestly, on during summers. And um. I think that's somewhere deep inside me. That's why I don't like going into the ocean, probably. Because uh, grown-ups in this all the time. Why. Yeah, probably. Um, it's a good movie, but I do think it's probably one of those ones where uh, so many people praise it for being like a classic that maybe its rating is a higher is higher than it should be. Like, the fact that it has a 97% on the tomato Yeah, meter, when you said that, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it's a 97. That's almost 100%. That's insane to me mm-hmm. to think that like it's a good movie sure it's a really good movie but a 97 like i don't i don't see that that's insane to me um but big props to steven spielberg uh though for like you know innovating how to do some water shoots with this movie um when mark said that he's glad they didn't show the shark the whole movie that originally wasn't even their original plan the reason that they hit it most and they used a lot of like inference with like the camera being the first person point of view is because the shark wouldn't work half the time so they had to be creative with how to do all of that and i think it worked out in their favor 100 100 um my favorite kill is quint because you actually see like almost the whole thing uh and you know he's kind of like a fucking cock stain like he's a little bit of a dildo so um to see him get his like you kind of like you know in moby dick like captain ab like so fucking hell bent on like catching this thing and then it winds up being like his downfall um it's mm-hmm. nice to see um my least favorite is chrissy the girl from the beginning because you don't even see blood i'm pretty sure if i if i'm not mistaken i don't even know if you see blood in the beginning everyone else who gets eaten you see something uh yeah so hers is kind of like lackluster i know it's the first kill so maybe they didn't want to start too strong but uh mm-hmm. they wanted to wait till people couldn't get a refund in the theaters <laughs> Yeah, you already sat down, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah so, you're already committed to the course. Yeah, so that's that's how I feel about it. Maria, give us your review. Um, so I I felt like when you said this, I 
I've seen this movie a hundred times. I've never been impressed by it. I've seen it on top 10 lists of the greatest, mm-hmm. not even just horror movies, but like movies in general. And I always thought, man, that is so such an overrated pick. But then when I really sat down and watched it, I was like, I've never seen this movie. Like this was the first time that I saw <laughs> this movie. What the fuck not- were you watching before? What what was on TV? So it was always censored. Oh, you never okay. saw any yeah. kind the movie, of or the, the TV the, the TV language. edits are almost there's almost like 25 minutes that are cut out. I think of the yeah, it was so, it's and signi- I it's significantly different. It that those 25 minutes is what makes it a horror movie. <laughs> so yes, I I and I truly do believe it's a horror movie. Like the seeing it for the first time, the way that it was intended from beginning to end, it's a horror movie. And there were some legitimately it's scary not. moments. It was like I, I I jumped I jumped legitimately at some of these moments. Uh, it but you know it. I love the cinematography. Obviously, I think I always say that about movies. If I enjoy it, it's because a lot of the times the the time period, everything was great. It just looks great. The acting was good. The cinematography, of course, it's awesome. I wasn't a fan of the score the whole time. I mean, obviously, it's a very iconic score, but I'm like, it got a little goofy on some parts when I'm like, this should kind of be like a somber ass part of the movie. And it's a little, a little wild. Maybe that was just the times. I don't know. But um, I did enjoy, like Mark was saying, that you don't see the shark. It, it lends to the mystique of that creature. And, you know, it's just gives it, you know, like it lends to the lore. And I enjoyed it. I really like seeing it. Honestly, like this is the first time I'm seeing it. I really did enjoy it a lot. I'm giving it a four out of five. Um my least favorite kill was the little boy. That was kind of shitty, Alex. I wasn't expecting that. I guess I didn't remember that or they cut that out. I don't know. Um, and then my favorite kill was the shark. I think Bruce got oh, blown shit, to right. bits. That was awesome. I mean, for the time, I was thinking this is 1974 and this looks like a real like, shark that got blown up. And in the, in the um, TV version, they actually, uh, from what I remember, they altered the coloration of the shark being blown up so it didn't look mm-hmm, like red blood mm-hmm. chunks. Yeah, like, that's it's another a, it's thing. A, it's, a, I, it's a lot of changes. It's so vividly red in all of these death scenes. I'm like, this is freaking gore. Like all of the body parts that they're pulling out. I'm like, this is this is creepy. But um, and then but I did appreciate the iconic kill in the beginning, Chrissy. Even though you don't see anything, but I'm like, that's something that's like you think of that when you think of this movie. So, but yeah, I totally enjoyed it. I've never seen it truly. So I would definitely recommend to go see it. I thought um, you were watching Cool maybe, Jaws. <laughs> maybe it's still a little overhyped, you know, but for the mm-hmm. most part, it does it does you know stand up to to the hype. I, I want to say, but yeah. So that's my my review. Right. Rob, what's yours? Yeah, Rob. So this is a movie that is very hard for me to ever approach objectively. Um, right out the gate, it it's it's extremely hard and it's for a number of reasons um this one was actually a bit of an emotional watch for me uh this was one of my dad's favorite films um and this was actually one that him and i always watch together almost every summer um there are so many lines that he could quote there are so many times that he would every year say the same thing about every single character um anytime hooper would go in the water my dad would always be like stupid bastard 
Like you just say, <laughs> no, not like your Ky- dad. Like Kyle knew my dad. <laughs> Kyle knew my father. Uh, he was as predictable as it gets, but he loved watching this movie with me. Um, and I actually haven't watched it since he passed away. So this is my first mm-hmm. time watching it without him. And so that definitely was a little bit tough. Uh, and, and in addition to that, there's that scene that Kyle was kind of like joking about. And I, I laugh at it too, where it's the father and son at the table. Um, like my dad and I used to do similar stuff when we were kids. Like he would, mm-hmm. like he was that kind of a guy. Um, so it's very hard for me to separate the emotional connection to the film for me. Um, but I'll always give it a five out of five. Um, mm-hmm. The reasoning I grew up in a small beach town, just like Amity, right? I grew up going to the beach every summer. I grew up in that type of community. I grew up in that world. Um, so when he's walking through the streets with the marching band playing and all the businesses with their signs outside and the summer crowds coming in, like that is how, the world that I, I grew up in. And there's just something about the way that Steven Spielberg immerses you in the worlds of his films. Um, the cinematography, the way that he brings characters to life the way that he moves you through the town with Brody as he's walking around to the different places it, it just it makes the place feel alive like it's a real place mm-hmm. you could just pick up and go to and visit and 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 these are real people there's so much about this movie that works for me um and to go on to the horror elements um if you've ever been out on a board in the water and questioned if something just touched your foot <laughs> or wondered if you were out there and there was something with you and realizing that you can't see below you or around you, you understand the horror of of this film. Um, as someone who has been out in the ocean and had close encounters, um, who has been in waters where sharks have been spotted and had those moments, there's nothing like the adrenaline and fear when you think that something is near you. <laughs> it is a different type of energy. Um, but people always tell me, they're like, you know, oh, I can't believe sharks do this and that. And I said, well, would you go out in the jungle with a lawn chair and just sit and wait for a panther to attack you? Like, it's the same thing when you go in the ocean, right? You're going in their hunting grounds. So you accept that they're there. Mm-hmm. And if you can't accept that, you probably shouldn't go in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, regardless. That's why I don't. Uh, <laughs> in the jungle? There is actually yeah. a, a, a memory of I have of Kyle and I went to the beach and he actually went in the water um, on two occasions. Once in New yeah, Jersey. I've been in the water. In Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I just don't like but to do it that often. I, but I do remember him. We parked one day. At, I think it was at, at, at the beach. Um, might have been in Manasquan area. Uh, and you were like, yeah, I don't go in the water because of Jaws. Mm-hmm. But I'll go in for you. And I was like, okay. Fuck that, bro. So, yeah. the There's not a lot more that I could say positive than what you guys said. Um, it, it just does a lot of great stuff. I still can't believe it's PG-13 to this day. PG. I, yeah, that's PG, crazy. Or PG. PG. Yeah. PG. I, well, that was before 13, right? Yeah, there was some there oh. was some uh, studio bribery that must have gone on somewhere along the way there for sure. Uh, that got pushed through. Um, probably <laughs> why there was no blood in the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were definitely some negotiations that were put in place there. It's just great. I think so many people have seen it. Like Mark said, there's no point in recommending it, right? Like there, <laughs> it's it, it's it's an well, apparently fucking Maria's never seen it, so <laughs> you might as well recommend it, to people. Fuck cool draws in 1995. Yeah, I think when you uh, when you step away and you like how Maria said, you really just watch it, and you really get a feel for the um, the the beauty of the film as a whole as a whole, and mm-hmm. appreciate what it did for cinema and its history, not just as a horror film, but as a film in general. Like I said, this doesn't happen. We don't get Star Wars. We don't get Indiana Jones. We don't get like the plethora of amazing uh, cinema outings that we get. It really uh, it changed movie history. 
And I think that's why it gets remembered more, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes more fondly, uh, because the fact, the impact that it had on movie history as a whole. Yeah. So five out of five for me. My least favorite kill is Ben Gardner. Um, always will be because you don't see him die. You just see his body with his eye socket exposed under mm-hmm. the water. Uh, could have been really cool. My favorite kill is always Quint only because um, the way he goes down is just brutal. And the way yeah. and, the, and the fact that if you you can miss it, but you could see him literally stabbing the machete into the shark <laughs> like he goes down swinging. And I just think it's. I could imagine what it must have been like to be in 1975 and watching that sequence because it's not it's, it's, it's not a quick death. It it is it is a it is a slow several chomps before he's dragged down. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is a it is a great sequence. Um, so yeah, that's that's my review of Jaws, and I'm glad that you all got to watch it. So why don't you lead us into the uh, history and horror and tell us a little bit of the uh, real life stories of what, what that inspired Jaws? Yeah, so there are two in particular that I really want to focus on. Um, one as a scene particular and one is actually pretty much the plot of jaws just in real life uh the first is the indianapolis it gets mentioned uh and the story gets told a lot of people i've talked to over the years have no idea that that's real that it's not a fake story at all um the uss indianapolis was a uh battleship for the united states navy during world war ii it was transporting nuclear materials um to tinian and that's where the bombs were assembled. The Oppenheimer? Uh, yeah, there you go. That's where the bombs, the nuclear bombs that struck Hiroshima were assembled because you couldn't ship a nuclear bomb, right? Like you're not going to ship the bomb itself because if the ship sinks, you've lost the bomb. It's gone. So they actually shipped components to Tinian where they reassembled the bomb on site and then loaded it in the aircraft for the attack. Uh, because the nature of the mission the Indianapolis was only logged to be out on um, training and patrol and its locations, transponders, everything were shut off. It was a very secretive mission. Only the top, top, top of the Navy and the military would know about it on its way back. Um, Commander Mochitsura Hashimoto um, of a Japanese summary, I 58 uh, detected a battleship. Now, there was no reason to believe that there were any major Japanese forces in this area. Uh, however, this submarine was patrolling and it immediately engaged Indianapolis, hit it with torpedoes, and it sunk in 12 minutes. That was not enough time to get the transponders back on. That was not enough time to get communications out. Uh, it went down and no one knew. No one knew about this battleship. No one knew where it was. No one knew that it was supposed to be out of port. There were no logs kept of its departures. Uh, and so a well over about 1,200 men went into the water. Now, because it went down so fast, only a few lifeboats could go out, only a few life jackets. Um, if you know anything about the Pacific Ocean, especially if you've been to Hawaii, like I have several times, sharks everywhere. It is a... Those warm waters are shark infested. Um, once some of the first guys went in, they were bleeding. It just attracted them like a wildfire. Um, those men sat in the water for four days. And they uh, they were torn to pieces. 
some of them died of drowning. Some of them died of exposure to the elements. Um, some of them took their own lives. Uh, a large number, well, several hundred possibly, um, were uh, basically eaten. It's ex pretty much the figure is that about 890 died uh, in those waters across those four days. Uh, it is the single worst naval disaster of any type um, at sea. Uh, the only reason they were found is that a pilot was flying a reconnaissance plane over and noticed what he thought were people in the water because he just happened to be flying a low route. And at that moment, he kind of looked down and realized he saw what might have been an American flag, some kind of signaling, uh, and called it in. And even then, it was still some time before a, uh, another naval vessel could get to them. Um, of the 1,200 men that went in the water, only roughly 300, 316 came out. Uh, it yeah. was an absolute disaster. So the reason I bring this history up is that this scene is not in the books. None of it is. The Indianapolis reference, none of it. Um, Steven Spielberg, whose father served in World War II, uh, told stories to Steven. Uh, obviously, this is pretty – it wasn't well-known, but if you were people that were – his father was U.S. Navy. If you came from Navy, you knew about Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. It was well-told. And so this was actually one of the first times that the Indianapolis tragedy had been featured in film. And mm -hmm. – People looked at him and were like, is that real? Is that serious? And it's it, 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 it's one of those unfortunate, really dark moments for us uh, in terms of a tragic naval accident. Um, so that's the Indianapolis. When it comes to the movie Jaws, you'd be surprised that Peter Benchley pretty much copy and pasted a New Jersey occurrence. Um, the entire story of Jaws is based off the 1916 shark attack in New Jersey. Uh, are you guys familiar with that? Yeah. Yes, no? Yeah. Yep, pretty familiar. I think it was right. more than just one, but... Y yes, we call it the 16 shark attack or attacks. It's it's a sequence of events. Um, this is a sequence of events in which uh, five individuals were attacked by possibly a single shark over the span of 14 days on the Jersey Shore. Uh, something that had never really happened before or been recorded to happen before. But I'll kind of go over the spark notes of it. And uh, as I'm going over it, try to think about the film and you'll see the similarities. So the first major attack happened on July 1st. Okay, so we're in July. That's your first connect, right? It's it's July on the Jersey Shore. Big money. Um, first, hack, first attack happens July uh, right off of Beach Haven, which is off of Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Uh, Made Charles, famously by Taylor Swift, who was just there. She was just there, yeah. Uh, Charles Van Zant was uh, 28 years old. He's from Philadelphia. He was at, the, uh, at a hotel resort. Uh, went down to the beach before dinner, take a quick swim um, with his Chesapeake Bay Retriever, guy on the beach with his dog. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, after entering the water, Van Zant began shouting. Bathers believed that he was calling out to his dog, um, but he was actually having his legs devoured by a shark. Um, lifeguards ran out to rescue him. And in a weird occurrence, as they were bringing him to the shore, the shark tracked them. So as they were rowing, the shark was following them in the rowboat and approached until they were in the shallows. That was a, that most people will tell you that's pretty unusual. Sharks normally bite humans realize we're not a seal and leave. Like they don't, they're not, we're too bony. We don't have a lot of nutrients for them. So in this situation, this shark was seen as hyper aggressive. When they got him to the beach, his thigh was completely stripped of flesh. Um, they got into the hotel and he bled to death on the hotel desk. Mm. So he was the first victim, a freak accident. People didn't think anything of it. 
Now, well, they thought something of it. <laughs> in the said, what the fuck? In the preceding days, several captains off of Newark and New York had radioed in and sent messages back to their hubs that they had been noticing larger sharks in the area. Something was off. Once again, July 4th weekend, we're not going to talk about it. Second major attack occurs on July 6th, this time just between Spring Lake and Asbury Park, which is a little ways north of um, Beach Haven. This time, uh, Charles Bruder, who was a Swiss Bell captain um, at the Essex and Sussex Hotel, he was about 130 yards offshore and a shark bit him in the abdomen and the legs. Uh, and it was immediately people noted that the, the the ocean around him turned bright red. Sound familiar? After hearing screams, a woman notified two lifeguards um, that a canoe with a red hull had capsized. That's all they could think it was. They Because it was so bright red that they thought it was a red hull that had gone up. Uh, lifeguards rode out to Bruder. And they realized he'd been bit by a shark and they pulled him out of the water. Um, but he had suffered horrific damage to his body and bled to death mm -hmm. on the boat. Um, when he got to the shore, people actually fainted and collapsed at the sight of how terribly destroyed his body was. Um, we've had two attacks now. People are thinking, eh, it's not that big of a deal. This is where things get wild because now we're going to go to a place called Matawan. Hey! So... Matawan sits at the top of the Jersey Shore range. It has some inland creeks and waterways, you know, some bays and ponds and creeks that come in off the ocean. This uh, is my area, Marie. I live up in that area. Oh, you so better be careful. Just six days later, um, Sea Captain Thomas Carell is out on his rowboat by a bridge. Mm. And as he's on his rowboat, he sees a shadow in the water, and he's confused. And as he looks down, he literally cannot believe what he sees. He believes he's seen an eight-foot-long shark in the creek. Sharks that big don't normally go up into brackish water. Bull sharks will, but still, can imagine this man, the, sh the shock of someone in the Matawan Creek seeing something that big. Mm -hmm. He's He tries to get a hold of people on the shore and he's telling people that's what i saw out there thinking this guy's drinking too much he's been out in the sun there's no way he saw that well around 2 p.m um a couple hours later a group of local boys including lester stillwell were playing in the creek together um one of the boys had brought his dog along which we were swimming with uh an area called wyckoff dock and he saw what he thought was an old like weathered log floating in the water towards him uh and then the dorsal fin broke the water he didn't have much time before the shark grabbed him hard and ripped him under the water. Um, the boys ran, his friends ran out of the water, ran for help, trying to get somebody to come down saying he's been attacked. Something happened. Um, he was a sick boy. So some people thought that he might've actually had a seizure and gone under the water. Mm -hmm. So some of the local guys, including businessmen, when uh, Stanley Fisher, Watson, Stanley Fisher ran down to investigate Fisher dove into the Creek um, trying to find the boy and believe it or not, he actually located the body. Um, oh. The boy was the boy was dead, and this is where it gets even wilder. As he was pulling the body to shore, the shark attacked him. <gasps> so he got attacked and ripped down. Trying to, he got baited with the body. I love Terrible. <gasps> so I can't. I this doesn't happen. <laughs> so his right thigh was um, severely injured. Uh, he lost the body. The body floated back in the water. He got away from the shark, um, but he made it to Mammoth Memorial Hospital. Uh, unfortunately, he bled out. Um, 
Stillwell's body. Y'all just live body. like this. Y'all yeah. live like this. Y'all just <laughs> okay with it. Stillwell's body gets recovered about 150 feet upstream um, hours later, on two days later on July 14th. So the fifth and final victim of New York is, uh, uh, is Joseph Dunn, who was 14 of New York City. He was attacked half mile from the Wyckoff dock nearly 30 minutes after that attack. So that's the the, the theory is that that shark then left that site, went further up the creek. The shark uh, bit his leg, stripping him of the flesh. Dunn was rescued by his brother and friends after a vicious tug of war battle with the shark. They had to like rip him out of the shark's mouth. Um, Dunn told the press that he felt his leg going down the shark's throat as it was eating him. Um, miraculously, he was actually taken to St. Peter's Hospital and they were able to save his life. He was the only of the victims that uh survived um so a lot of stuff sounded familiar to the movie right shark going into the pond shark terrorizing victims going after young boy you know so much of 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 what peter benchley wrote about was based on this even so much so that in the movie they reference it the 1916 shark attacks on the jersey shore right um this has been a very controversial moment in history because some oceanographers, marine biologists have kind of gone about saying that this was the work of possibly many sharks. Some think it was the work of one. Now they did catch a number of sharks, just like in Jaws. Uh, everybody said that they had the shark, right? Mm -hmm. uh, until they caught an eight foot great white. Uh, when they caught that great white, they cut him open and they found human body parts. Oh, It was pretty much confirmed at that point that this shark had definitely at some point recently killed and eaten part of a person um but there's never been a conclusive link that he was the shark that did all the attacks um mm -hmm. one interesting theory is that during 1916 world war one was ongoing and there were a number of german submarines that were patrolling the east coast using new sonar technology uh some people believe that the reason for the uptick in the attacks might have been sharks behaving more aggressively due to u-boat incursions and use of this new technology disrupting their migration patterns disrupting their food supplies um which I think is fairly interesting. Um, so, but the one thing that everybody likes to hold on to is the idea of this rogue killer shark just deciding it's going to eat people and that's it. And Peter Benchley, when he wrote Jaws, uh, seized on this idea of the rogue shark. And Jaws, the movie, portrays the rogue shark. Most scientists have said that there's no evidence to show that there's anything backing to that theory and peter benchley himself has gone on to say that he deeply regrets what the book jaws and what the movie jaws did to sharks because unfortunately after that movie um several sharks ended up on the endangered species list due to mm. mass killings mass cullings uh and, and that's not good for oceanic environments You're taking away their apex predator um it's same thing with any environment uh but it's caused a lot of sensationalism of shark attacks the dangers of sharks and just how much as threat that they pose. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um, probably have a better chance of being struck by lightning than being attacked by a shark. However, does that mean your chances of being attacked by a shark are zero? Absolutely not. So I think it depends more. on whether you go into the ocean more or you stand out in storms more, honestly. So, you know, um, <laughs> like I said, I've been on the ocean, I've been near them. Um, I count myself lucky. That's how you are. When you're out in the ocean, you're lucky because one day they could get you. And if they get you, it is what it is. You know, it's like playing, it's like playing Frogger in traffic. You never know what you're going to come up with. And um, Steven Spielberg also, or 
I guess Peter Benchley, I guess, uh, also like spiced up uh, the whole shark thing by saying it was a great white because um, they're obviously the bigger breed of shark. Yes. So yes, and it's it's very interesting because uh, if you look at the the number of shark attacks globally, the great white is actually the third most prolific. Um, yeah, it's greatly outpaced by the tiger shark, mm-hmm. um, which the tiger shark is known as the dumpster of the sea. Yeah, and that's just because it eats anything it runs in its path. Uh, Hawaiians will tell you that tiger sharks just—they're just chomping. They don't—they don't even think about it. They just—they chomp. They say, mm, "I guess not." Okay, moving on. Uh, the shark that actually possibly was the culprit of the 1916 attacks is actually the world's number one most prolific shark in terms of dangerous attacks, which is the bull shark. And the reason the bull shark is dangerous is because it can move in and out of. Uh, saltwater and freshwater mm-hmm. and it is known to have a rather aggressive temperament yeah so uh there is some theories that if it was multiple sharks sure maybe the white is what got them off of beach haven but it's more than likely that it could have been a couple bull sharks been pushed up the creek in 1916 right because the one that they caught was a bull shark correct they caught a bull shark yeah. they caught a blue shark they caught a white um the bull and the blue when they were gutted no human remains oh it was the and they, and they caught a sand tiger and a uh, brown. Gotcha. All local sharks to the Jersey Shore, just even tiger sharks. We don't think of them as on the Jersey Shore, but they're out there. Yeah. They're just in deep water. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. They're fascinating creatures. And that is my history in horror segment. I hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of a little bit of the background. Thanks, Rob. Hmm. Appreciate the uh, due diligence. And we'll move on to the next pick. Coming soon to a theater near you. And the next pick is Maria's. My pick is Your Next from 2011. I want to meet your family. Thanks to mom and dad for having us all here together. August 23rd. Why would anybody do this? This wasn't a random attack. Our family's being targeted. The hunted. Grab anything that might make a good weapon. Fight back. Everything's gonna be fine. You're next. Rated R. August 23rd. I just watched it recently. Oh, wow. I haven't seen... I think I've only seen this once, so... Don't... Maybe I did see it. I don't know. I just watched it literally, like, two months ago. Yay, new movie. Nice. So we get to see this one. I know people speak very highly of it. Obviously, Ty West is in it. Um, wow, way to ruin it. Well, somebody's got it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that wraps up everything for us. Um, if you ever want to reach out, you can find us on Instagram at Vintage Horror Podcast. That's where we're most active. We do have a Twitter at Vintage Horror underscore. Uh, we can email us at vintagehorrorpod at gmail.com. Um, that's pretty much it. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Boy. Bye. See you later. Well, I'm on Vintage Horror Podcast.